0: Head on over to morgandwilliams.com newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. My guest in today's episode has built two companies, a software and a service on the back of cold email. This interview takes an interesting turn away from the outstanding results Ron's gotten with cold email but I guarantee that there is a ton of value in this extended episode. Ron has a powerful approach to cold email. And in this conversation, we go deep into not only what works, but also the psychology behind why it works. Stay tuned to the very end of this one. I'll see you on the other side.
1: What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years, and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast. For for you each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome Welcome to to Outbound Outbound Metrics. Metrics.
0: Ron Story Jr. is the owner of Five Contacts and PitchDB. Five Contacts is a service that helps you find the right person at the right time and reach them with the right message. Five Contacts is a cold outreach service that helps traditional businesses apply the growth hacking techniques of today's most advanced high growth startup companies. PitchDB is the world's largest search engine for public speakers. Search over 2 million podcasts, associations, businesses, and conferences worldwide. Ron, happy to have you on the show. Are you ready to dive in?
2: Well, yeah, man. I'm ready to tell people how they can improve their code outreach and not be afraid.
0: Absolutely. I usually go into some questions directly here, but I do think it's important to talk about how Five Contacts is unique real quick and kind of how you got that idea together and how you serve your clients. Give some background.
2: Oh, yeah. So Five Contacts is unique because we own the data and we own the sending platform, right? So instead of like a lot of agencies where they have to go out and buy the data, I actually bought a data company. So I have my own email addresses and our own way of um, our own scraping methodologies and things like that. So we don't have to go and get data from someone else. We have our own, right? That's one way that we're unique. But the biggest way that we're unique is in the way that we price what we do. Since we don't work with a lot of tech forward companies, we pretty much focus on the mom and pop shops, the non-tech companies. They're not familiar with growth hacking and all this cold email. You you mentioned that stuff. They have no clue what you're talking about. So we built our pricing to match something that they understood, which is direct mail right? They already understand they have to pay for a list of addresses. They have to go and pay the post office to send it. So if they're paying 50 cent per email address or per actual person's address, and then another 49 cents for the post office to deliver their direct mail, why don't we set our email pricing the same way and position it as trackable direct mail? So that's what we do. So if someone wants to reach out to 2,000 people, you know, we charge them per piece and then we it includes following up with them, but they get the metrics that they don't get from traditional direct mail. When you send 2,000 pieces of direct mail out, you don't know how many people read them, how many people actually got them in their mailboxes, right. how many people threw them in the trash can, any of that. But with email, when you tell them that you can do that, it takes them back into the mindset of something that they already understand.
0: Awesome. So just a quick recap, I felt like you have a very unique way that you offer your service and price it for your clients. So I thought that story would really help people wrap their heads around it. But just to kind of go to the questions, how do you get results? Uh, You're sending email through, it's like trackable direct mail. That's essentially the offer that you're providing people that distribution. What makes you different? You own both the data and the sending platform. Uh, Your pricing matches direct mail, right? People are paying per piece and that's per opened piece of mail, per open piece of email, correct?
2: So there's two different ways. I mean, if they trust that we're going to get results, they can pay per piece that's sent, mm-hmm. right? But if they're like, well, no, how do we know people actually reading them? I only want to pay for the people that read my email. Okay. So then they can pay per open, right? Gotcha. So we don't get into the appointment setting part because we're not going to go and sell their product, but we want to be the post office that does delivery. You know, when the post office delivers junk mail, if nobody buys... They don't scream at the postman, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever exactly. made the ad and all of that, that's up to them. So that's kind of how we want to be positioned.
0: Awesome. And ideal customer mom and pop shops, non-traditional businesses or non-businesses that aren't kind of in this startup exactly. world, like you were saying. Exactly.
2: Um, it's it's the, the, the business that may be purchasing radio commercials or television commercials or doing direct mail. Like if I get a piece of mail in the, in the, in the box, you know, that's a potential customer.
3: Because I know
2: that they're not finding customers effectively using that direct mail.
0: Sure. And I would like for you to touch on the piece about you're not in the appointment setting business. And I want you to, if you please explain why you're not, because that is rampant, right? The, we'll get you X amount of leads Mm -hmm. appointments uh, for X amount of dollars a month. Could you touch on that?
2: Well, I think most agency owners, whenever they talk about appointments, they're just overselling, right? Right. And because that's something that every business wants, every business wants you to go out, find a customer, hit them over the head, shake the money out of their pockets and bring them back the money so that they can give you some of it. Right. That would be the ideal situation for every business to go that route. But when you go and you do all of that and then you bring them back and they say, well, this isn't the customer I was looking for. Wait a minute. This is the dude you identified. Right. So why would I take responsibility for the people that you identified? for the product that you priced, for the product that you chose to sell. I just wanna deliver your message to them. You create the message. We're kind of like lifeguards when it comes to messaging. We're not gonna call balls or strikes, but we'll jump in and save you like a lifeguard would. So we don't wanna be the umpire of what you're doing, but we wanna be the lifeguard to guide you along the way. But I don't think it's my responsibility to after talking to you for three hours, all of a sudden have a genius marketing plan for a business that you've been running for several years. I think that that's misguided. I think that as consultants, we put ourselves behind the eight ball to underperform because we've set these expectations so high just to get the deal, right? Right. So again, I always try to go back to something that's relevant to them already. So they have an anchor of what the postman does. He just delivers the mail. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna scream at the postman because nobody returned their postcards. So I'm just the postman. I don't want to be your commission only sales guy, right? You hire that in house. Don't outsource that to me. So that's how we position ourselves. And it's for that reason.
0: Awesome. When your clients pay per open, you are crafting that subject line and first preview text. Do I have that right.
2: So again, we'll coach along, Mm -hmm. right? So I'll ask them for some suggestions. So I'll give them like, um, they get a questionnaire at the beginning where they have to give us in two sentences, how do they describe their business? And then they have to give us the five reasons why people buy things from them, why this audience would buy something from them. And then we use that to work with them, using their words to create the subject line and the first sentence that shows up in the preview on your phone. Right. So in the same way that you would design a Facebook ad with the stuff in bold and then you got two sentences underneath or a Google ad with the stuff in bold and the two sentences underneath Mm -hmm. it when when you run Google ads. Email is the same way in my mind. I got the subject line and I got two sentences of a preview yep. in their phone or in their outlook in order to get their attention and get them to click.
0: Awesome. Let's go into the case study we're going to be talking about today, four or five contacts. Can you give us some background on you know, what yeah, industry so that client's in?
2: The one that I'll use, I think is pretty interesting. It's for one of my buddies. His company is called Tesoro AI. And what he basically does, he outsources AI talent from Colombia back into the United States. So Columbia is a huge hub for tech startups now. So people are outsourcing here instead of going to Asia. And what we basically did, we helped him to reach out to customers to find you know, his first customers for the business.
0: Okay, awesome. And so who are his ideal customers who are looking to acquire that AI talent?
2: So in this situation, he's reaching out to software companies again, because those software startups, if they're not located in Silicon Valley and they didn't raise a bunch of money, they probably can't afford a $150,000 data scientist sure. in the States, but they can outsource that here for 40 grand a year. right? Gotcha. And it cuts their costs down 60%, but it's still a win for him. He can get his little cut, cut off of it and it's a good business for him. So uh, when he started this business in February, we've been handling all of his outreach. Awesome. In
0: terms of the prospects there you're looking to contact, are there any other criteria about these software companies that you know can't really bring in an in-house data scientist from the U.S. that you're looking for when you're looking to build this list?
2: So he has his own criteria of what he's looking for, right, In which I don't think it's relevant to anybody else, but there are software companies in the U.S. that are looking to outsource, And if I told you, well, he's looking for people in New York or LA, people are the same regardless, right? But the startups have the same problem. So we basically use the search part of LinkedIn and Sales Navigator in order to narrow down for every client that we work with. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Awesome. And so what did that outreach process look like in terms of your cadence, like at a high level?
2: Right. So with everybody with five contacts, we do five contacts. So the first email is what we call an engagement email. We're reaching out just to get engagement from you. It's not you know, 45 sentences explaining all the services, any of that. We're just trying to get you to answer and reply with a simple question back, right? So that's our first outreach. When you don't reply to that, we reach out to you again. If you haven't opened the email, we send you the same email with a different first line and a different subject line in the email. Cause there's no reason for me to send you something new when you didn't read the first one. Right. So our second email, if they haven't opened is we just change the subject line in the first line. And then after that, if they haven't responded, you know, I know you get busy, things fall down, you know, you get 300 emails a day. I just wanted to put this back at the top of your list. You know, if you want me to stop sending you emails, just let me know. But that's basically what we're doing. We're just kind of staying in front of them. If they've opened it up, then we are a little bit more aggressive. We may show some data, In some results that we've gotten for other people, we usually try to find reputable companies that most people already know. So in in his case, it was a new company. So he didn't have any clients that he could do case studies with, Mm -hmm. right? What we were doing was going through and trying to find companies that have talked about using cold email. So we could say, I'll just use PitchDB, my other company. PitchDB got results using cold email like this or using these strategies. We wouldn't Mm -hmm. say cold email, but... PitchDB got this results using these strategies. So we think we can get the same thing for you. In his case, it was outsourcing. It wasn't cold email. So we had to borrow some comments from other people and what they were saying about outsourcing AI talent, provide them with some credible data, and then following up with them.
0: So your approach is fairly direct. You're pretty much getting in front of them. You know, you're, you're kind of bumping the email to the top if they don't open. But if they do, you're trying to show some form of proof in each of these contacts after that first one.
2: Yeah, because I, my belief is that if they didn't respond the first time to tell us to either stop messaging them or say they want to have a meeting, maybe we just didn't pique their curiosity all the way. You know, you just keep selling. You provide more evidence, more data more reasons for them to make that decision. Now, what we've found is that people that we've reached out to in February followed up with us in September after the cadence was over, but they bookmarked it, right? They right. remembered it. We've all done that. I got 800 things flagged in my mailbox because it's something that I don't need right now, but I'm going to need in a few months. Right. right? So Absolutely. we found that people do follow up. They like the persistency. So If they haven't unsubscribed or said, no, they're not interested, it doesn't hurt to keep providing data, but I don't believe in being a pest. I believe eventually you just stop. I don't believe, well, hey, I've been cold emailing them. Now I'm going to put them on my newsletter list. I don't believe it. Some people do believe in that, but if they didn't subscribe directly to my newsletter, I don't want them on a newsletter list.
0: Yeah, that doesn't really feel, I've heard of that too. It doesn't really feel right. You know they didn't. Yeah, sign it's up for pretty that sleazy. And
2: then you're, when you want to send newsletters to actual customers, then their open rates are going to be trash because all of these people are probably going to have already blacklisted you or marked you as spam. So it just doesn't work. I mean, most of the time that fourth and fifth email doesn't even have to go out. We can get a person to make a decision in the first three.
0: Got you. That was what I was going to ask next. When does someone usually respond to within those first three emails?
2: So yeah, I mean, but overall, what we know, in especially in this situation, we had a 70% engagement rate, meaning 70% of the emails were open, which is right. ridiculous. So they may not have opened the first one, but they opened the second one. And then they may right. go back and reference the, the first one again. So we always try to look at um, over the three email cadence or whatever, how many people actually opened up one of those emails? And in this case, it was 70% of the people opened one of those three emails.
0: Gotcha. And And the
2: data for this is on the Five Contacts site. If you scroll down, Tesoro is one of the case studies that's actually on the homepage.
0: Gotcha. And uh, that URL, so people can check that out too, for Five Contacts?
2: Oh yeah, it's just fivecontacts.com. Gotcha, fivecontacts.com. So if you scroll down, we have several case studies for a beer company we work with, an oil company that was raising money, a biotech company. We're industry agnostic. We really don't care but usually it's a services business that isn't focused on trying to grow hack through SEO or some stuff like that. They just want to get services clients.
0: Talk to people, have those conversations. Yeah, exactly, They
2: want meetings. If you don't want to have a meeting, we don't believe in sending cold email unless you're asking for a meeting. Gotcha. Right? I've had people come to me. One of my buddies, he has a mobile home investing course and he's like, yo, man, you got all these emails. Can you just send this out to people that invest in real estate and send them to our webinar? No, we don't do that. Other people can do it. Other companies may do it, but we won't do that. I don't think that that's very ethical.
0: Sure. How many people were in this sequence,
2: prospects? In which one?
0: Uh, the, the, one? the outsourced AI.
2: Oh, yeah, Tesoro AI. So he's, he's sending right around 150 a day. Okay. Right. So we do odd number intervals. Like seven minutes because it doesn't end on sixty, so every number is going to be different in Google, right? Sure. So if we send something okay. on the five, the ten, the fifteen, the twenty, Google catches on to that stuff real quick. But if you sixty isn't divisible into seven or whatever. you mm-hmm. understand what I mean. You're gonna to go to fifty six and then sixty three, then seventy, right? So you're going around, you're on the three and the ten the next time you go around the clock. So that's helped out a lot. That's one of our little tricks is to try to pick integers that don't divide into 60 so that we can keep it spaced out. But that campaign is ongoing. He's continually running that.
0: Gotcha. And that, you mean, when you say that, and I, I want to make sure you get clarification on that, that's the intervals that you're sending each message to each person. Yes. Seven minutes,
2: seven minutes, seven minutes. Because when you divide that seven into 60, it ends up changing keep... the cadence every hour. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I Just like a little that. growth hack I found. I mean, you know, it, it works. Nobody's been blocked. We haven't had any domains blacklisted or anything since we've been following that. And we do it for every client. Sometimes it's 17, I mean, we pick a lot of goofy numbers like that, as long as it doesn't divide into 60. So if we're warming up, we have a different number than if we're at full speed.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. OK, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I feel like other platforms, do they default for
2: even numbers like that? Well, I mean, a lot of them, they let you pick the cadence on how you want it to go out. We figured out our own. I mean, some of them will pick a random number in between a certain time period. Like they'll pick a random number of seconds. So you'll say, hey, send one every 300 to 120 seconds,
3: Mm -hmm. right?
2: And they'll pick a random number in between 300 and 1, and 1,200, I should say. Right, And then that'll send out an email every five to 20 minutes or something like that. Gotcha.
0: How many? Yeah, yeah. I I see what you're saying now. How many prospects, like people, were you emailing in this? case? or is it if it's still going? Like, yeah, it's still
2: going. We just do anywhere from 100 to 150 a day.
0: People. Okay, 100 to 150 people a day. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: So, I mean, most of the time, our max emails that we're going to send out for most people is going to be right around 2,000 a month. Okay. If your email is effective. And they got a small team on the other side. They're not going to be able to handle more than 20 meetings a week anyway. Right. So there's no reason for me to send a thousand emails a day and get them 700 meetings this week. Right. So that they can feel, you know, they can not pay attention to the customer the right. way that they should. And that's not in my best interest. I want the long-term revenue. I don't want one lump sum today. And they're like, oh, well, call us back in two months when we yeah, well, we're we're sorted it out. This worked too good. No, exactly. no, 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 no. you know, I I got to look out for my business too. Not just sure.
0: Absolutely. What is the meeting book rate you usually see?
2: That depends. Again, we don't really get involved in that. Right. True. So we're focused on delivery and opens. It's up to them to follow up. We don't do any other follow-up. Right. Gotcha. When someone replies, it goes to their people. They're responsible for following up. That's not our job. We're the mailman. So, I mean, I can tell you what my results are outside of my clients, but for the clients, we don't even get involved, we don't even ask. Because I can can tell you this, if they don't like it, they'll stop sending emails. Mm -hmm. Or they'll work on their sales results themselves. But if they're getting replies and people asking for meetings, here's one of the things that happened to me. We used to do meetings, right? We used to do like a paper type of thing. right? And people would reply and ask for a meeting, I would follow up and say, hey, man, you got 10 meeting requests in the last three days. How did they go? Oh, I haven't followed up with them yet. I'm going to get to it tomorrow. I've been busy. (laughs) Those leads are dead, dude. You are not about to. Now, my reputation, when you follow up with them, they're going to say, oh, well, they didn't work the way we, you know, those leads weren't good. They weren't even interested. No, they found somebody else because they followed up faster. Right. Right. So let me tell you why this is important. I used to be in the insurance business. I used to work with Allstate. I had eight Allstate agencies that I sold insurance in, and I managed all of the agencies for for farmer's insurance. So a lot of times insurance agents buy leads online. When someone does an insurance quote for their car, it goes through a particular page, and they sell that lead for 10 to 15 bucks. The average insurance agent has three minutes to call the person before that lead has already been contacted by somebody else. Because that lead goes out to multiple agents, the same lead. They usually don't buy what we call exclusive leads. So imagine all these leads coming in and they're going to some people that are buying the leads, they're in a call center with a robo dialer Mm -hmm. that are dialing right away to get these people on. So those people have an advantage in speed. Well, that applies in cold email too. When I'm looking for something online, if I hit you up in the chat box, or I send you an email or I reply to an email and you don't reply within an hour. I don't think you care. Right. Especially if I got the email right now and I reply right back and you didn't reply back. Wait a minute. This is a machine sending this. You didn't really send it. I mean, it's really kind of rude not to reply. So we try to make sure that our customers, they have someone that's dedicated to hitting the reply button. Yo, when you get that email you got it, you
0: gotta, you gotta make contact. Yeah, for sure. Say
2: something back, man. You can't let it go cold because you're probably not the only people they search for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've had Legion companies reach out to me, and sometimes I'm like, sure, tell me what you got. What do you do? You know, looking for to see what people are out there doing, you know. And sometimes I just don't even get a response. Yeah. From Legion company. <laughs> it's you know, crazy.
2: It's always funny with my other company with pitch db when people send in Like customer service requests, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're amazed that I replied to the email immediately. Yeah, I've been trained to reply to the emails from the insurance business, the cold email business, of course. If you're already paying me, I'm replying right away. Yeah, it's coming straight to my phone. I'm not saying call me tomorrow. No, it could be twelve in the (laughs) morning, right? If I'm up and I see that email, you want to hop on a Zoom? Yeah, right. I'm really big in replying. You know, I used to always tell people if you're not following up, you're effing up. Sure. Right. You That's know, I mean, it's a play on words with the follow-up and F, but you know, you can substitute the F in there for yourself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to get on, talk about PitchDB, but two quick questions before we get into that. What is your personal meeting book rate that you see, not clients, but that you see from your right? methods?
2: So, all right. It depends on what I'm reaching out for. With I'll give you a great campaign we did with to promote PitchDB. So we reached out to public speakers, with the line, are you looking for more speaking gigs in the next six months? That's exactly what we said. And in the email, we asked, hey, are you looking to get booked um, in the next six months? If so, we have this product. Are you interested in seeing it, right? Mm-hmm. So we sent that out to, let's say 600 people at one point. And I'll just use that, because I know these dat- the data for this one campaign. We sent that out to 600 people. We got 250 responses. And we set 99 demos. Wow. Who wouldn't take an 18% booking rate?
0: Wow. That's massive. Right?
2: If we put that 100 into the 240 that actually opened the email, it's higher than the 100 out of the 600. Sure. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in speaking to people, not as if you want to sell them something, but if you have the thing that they want the most. Right. So I didn't say, hey, we have this cool software, blah, blah, blah. No, I know speakers want speaking gigs hmm so hey you want to speak in the next six months it's not dishonest i didn't have a direct gig to offer them but i had a service that would get them in front of those gigs in the next six months sure. so i mean i if they wanted a gig we could help them to get it
0: i think it's hard that you get wrapped up in I've been there before you get wrapped up in like what you're selling. And even though, you know, like, Hey, we, you know, it's it's about the customer and what they want. You get, you spend all day around your thing that you talk about your thing more than you should talk about why the thing is there to solve the problem, to be that bridge from point A to point B. So I really like your communication style of just getting straight to the point.
2: Yeah. So so let me give you the one that we use for five contacts. So anybody who's doing an outreach agency Use this. We sent them an email, are you hiring? Hi, I'm Ron Story. Are you looking to hire a commission only, pay for performance um, growth hacker? I do email marketing, sending emails, blah, blah, blah. Are you interested in having a 15 minute conversation? Now, here's the thing, I put out there that I'm not gonna come and be your employee. Right? I'm working on a performance basis. I didn't say exactly how I was gonna get paid for my performance, which is sending an opens, but I put it very clear. Most people aren't reaching out to any business that sells anything saying, I want a commission only job.
3: Right.
0: Yeah.
2: They're not reaching out saying that. So when somebody says that, you know what the owner hears? Holy shit. This person is, could be free. This is a no risk salesperson. I've invested five grand a month into these other salespeople Mm -hmm. and they never made me any money. I lost my money. But if this dude's going to do the outreach for free, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Or if there's no risk. Right. So, but then when I get them on the phone, I explain to them that it's just like direct mail, right. It's paid for performance. Yeah. You pay us. We send. Right. Right. And you close your own deals. You don't have to train us on anything. We're good at doing this. So, if I was an agency that's listening to this, I would steal that. Are you hiring? You know, I'm looking for commission-only work. And that email is has been killer, right?
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Actually, no. hold
2: up. I'm going to pull it up here. I want to tell you the exact thing. And when I was sending this, I was using Mailshake. So I wasn't using like some fancy custom-built thing. We were using Mailshake to send. Let me pull this campaign and I'll tell you exactly what the results were for this one second milkshake changed their thing look at this <laughs> they updated something in here this ain't the same milkshake
0: yeah they've been doing a lot
2: one second i gotta go all the way back because th- this is an old email they added in a uh, dialer here's this one here here i can share my screen on this though sure if you could
0: uh narrate it to for the podcast audience
2: yeah i'll do that yeah i'm gonna do it i just want to make sure that we can uh, i can share the screen for the, the people who are listening
0: yeah, yeah. oh there we right. go
2: you see the email here
0: there you go you should be able to share now
2: okay let's try it and share screen and we want to go chrome bam
0: there
3: it is all
2: right here's the thing i sent 539 emails how many of them got opened
3: 65%
2: yep. right. And what was the reply rate? 98, 18%. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. I was wondering if you can use some outbound sales help. The reason I ask is I have experience successfully doing outbound business to business sales. I'm looking at work as a freelance pay for results, only not hourly a salary lead generator for a few small businesses. I'm willing to do some simple outreach to potential customers for free to show you what I'm capable of doing for your business. I'm not sure if this is the right fit for your company, but if it's something worth talking about, let me know. A quick reply to this email with a yes or no would be appreciated. Thanks. Yep. Straight to the point. Straight to right? the point. And, you know, I don't know how with the new Mailshake, how to see my replies. I'm kind of looking goofy leaning over here, but, but you can <laughs> see that's what we said.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think it's in lead catcher.
2: Okay. Let me see. Lists, prospects. Let's see. Maybe it's here. Leads, there we go. But you can see there they are. Yeah. And you know, I'll just pick a random one, because I didn't do the scoring thing. And this person, let's see what they said back. Failed to love. I said prospect. failed I to love. He got some issues with this thing. But you can see he opened it five times.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. You right. Know? You don't open it five times. You're gonna tell me to never contact you again.
0: Exactly. It's right?
3: probably you know, sharing. Let me pick it. a different
2: one. This one opened it seven times and we had a conversation about setting up the call, two replies. For some, I think if some I reason, think, my, I maybe need to reconnect my email account. But you get the point that the results yeah. are there. You know, I only talk about things that I know. This isn't, oh, well, let's just make up some numbers. No, I'll show you exactly what we're doing. And for some people, it sounds unrealistic to reach out to roughly 600 people and get 98 people asking for appointments. That's bananas, dude.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think that that gives people a new, or well, a different way to think about cold outreach. We're just looking to make contact with someone.
2: Yeah, look, let me offer you what you want. Mm-hmm. You notice, I didn't say I do cold email and we do that. No, they want a commission only salesperson. Let me sell you that, right? right? If you can buy into the idea that you'll pay for performance, then I can tell you how I'm going to perform and we can negotiate that. Mm-hmm. Now, out of those 98 people, some of people wanted me to close the deals and set appointments and all sure. of that. No, I don't do that. So you don't qualify. Now think about the psychology of this. This is an adult-to-adult negotiation now. Most conversations between a client and a customer or an agency is the agency begging for approval from the customer. Right. Right? Hey, I'm looking to only do this for a few businesses. So if it doesn't work. If we don't meet each other's criteria, we don't have to waste each other's time. But I'm not looking for you to choose me. We're going to have to choose each other. Right. Right. So I think the framing of the email gave me extra power in the negotiation where I wasn't saying, well, no, I need a job because I'm, no, I don't need a job. I'm running a business. Right. Right. So, but that's how it works.
0: And that's really important too for just framing the conversation uh, oh, yeah. with that person. That's,
2: that's the most important thing. So let me give you an example of why that's important. We can take it outside of email and just take it to co-calling. Whenever you're co-calling someone or someone co-calls you over the phone, they say, hey, can I speak to Ron's story? Instantly, I know, I don't know this person. Right. Right? Why are you calling me by my whole name? And my friends, they just say, yo, what's up, dude? I was hitting you up for X, Y, and Z. Right. The minute you ask for my name and your voice goes up, I know we don't know each other. Yep. So instantly, you trigger Me turning into, what do you want? I'm about to hang up on you. Right. So that's an adult to a child conversation. I'm the adult. They're the child begging. And that's why their voice goes up. They're begging for me not to hang up on them. Right. So I learned this when I was in the financial services business, but it comes across in email also. You have to address them equal or higher than them. right? Right? So when I used to call on NBA players to try to get them to invest money with us, what I would just do, I would just hit them up and say, hey, um, I'll, I'll pick someone. Hey, Darius, this is Ron. You got a minute? they like, who? Exactly. Now it gives me, they just asked for permission for me to tell them what All I'm right. calling about. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
3: Right.
2: Huh, who? No, this is Ron. I, I was talking to Jermaine. We work together. He thought we should hop on a call to talk about some financial things that we're doing with him. Is that something you're interested in spending 10 minutes to talk about? Right to the point. Right. Mm-hmm. But I didn't say, Hey, is, uh, you know, I'll make up a name. Darius James there. Yeah. Dude, who is this? But yeah. I know, right.
0: I don't know anybody like you,
2: but that's what most people do in their emails. They go into this whole, let me prove to you how great I am in the email. Right. Right. Begging for approval. I don't need your approval. I sent this to 600 people. I was looking for five. I wanted five people to give me two grand a month. Right. So I had a 98 to choose five. Right, make sense?
0: Absolutely. It reminds me of that Jordan Belfort training. He was talking all about tonality.
2: Yeah, straight line persuasion. Straight I
0: mean, line persuasion. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I've
2: been following Jordan since maybe 2009, 2010, before the whole Wolf of Wall Street thing. Yeah, he had just got out of jail and he was doing straight line coaching, and those were his seminars. But no, he, he hits it right phenomenal. on phenomenal. I yeah, man. Because you got to think. This person can't see you. Right, they have to imagine who you are, what you look like, based on your voice tone. I'll give you a funny story. So, I was doing a demo of another company that I used to own, and when I did the demo for the guy, and this was right around the time the whole Mike Brown thing happened in St. Mm-hmm. Louis with the cops, and he was like, "Man, you're from St. Louis?" I'm like, "Yeah." He was like, "Man, how is it? Are you safe? You and your family safe?" I'm like yeah, my family's safe, you know? And he's like, are there any black people that live around your neighborhood? I'm like, yeah, everybody. And he's like, really? (laughs) He's like, man, you look safe over there? I'm like, so I pulled up my picture. I said, dude, this is me. He says, oh man, I'm so embarrassed. I never thought a black dude owned a software company. Um, And I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm not offended. Because I mean, I help all colors Mm -hmm. and I just want to be paid in green people, right? right? And we laughed about it, but I knew that, he had a certain image in his mind of who I was. Sure. My voice and the way I carried myself over the phone, it was somebody he respected. Sure. Not saying that he didn't respect black folks or anything like that. Sure. But I had put this image in his mind that it was no way that I was who I when he saw my picture. Right. So that tonality and everything is important. Whether you're in, on a phone call doing a demo, or if you're in an email. That person has to imagine that you're the answer to all of their dreams.
0: It's a great way to put it. That's great advice. That's great advice. And when I got out of college and started working professionally, I was making, I don't know, anywhere from 60 to 80 cold calls a day, sometimes more. And the person I worked for was incredibly good at that. He had that like unconscious competence things Mm -hmm. where he was just he'd been doing it for so long and was so good he didn't understand why but just hearing him through the phone and his confidence and tonality and tonality is you know body language over the phone I mean you don't have body language you don't have someone in front of you you had tonality and so and then I started learning about Jordan Jordan training and then it's like oh that's now it's all starting to to make sense of how that Mm -hmm. all works Jordan was like I got to Get it through osmosis and and understand it that way. But when Jordan came, when I started doing Jordan's training, I started connecting the dots there. So
2: definitely something. Oh yeah, to check no, out. I agree with you, man. I mean, it, it's a big deal. I think a lot of people, you know, one of the best ways to work on your tonality. It is hard to raise your pitch if you talk slow, mm. right? So right. just slow down. That changes everything. When you talk fast, it's just like a hitting fast forward. On a record or an old cassette tape, you notice it gets really high, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you hit slow, it goes, raw, raw, raw. right? Same thing happens with your voice box, right? Mm-hmm. So if you just slow down just <clears throat> a little bit, your voice tone comes down, the highs go away, and you sound a lot more calmer and in control of, of what you're saying.
0: I like to think about NBA players at press conferences right after the game. When mm-hmm. they're sitting there and their body language and how they're talking, they don't seem rattled. Someone said, you know, a reporter says something stupid. They're just like, what? Next question. They're not. They don't. Well, I didn't know what to do at that point. I, da, 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 da. It's just like really calm and very, you know, calculated. So, but yeah. But, the but here's
2: thing. the one thing. I like that idea. But I think that one of the things that I would add, and I know we're kind of getting into cold calling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is. When you're interviewing LeBron James, everybody knows that he's the boss. Right. Over the phone, this guy doesn't know that you're going to be the boss of this call. Sure. So there has to still be some energy, even though you're talking, you may, you know, be using a lower, lower voice tone. Sure. You just don't want the high cracks, but you still have to have a transfer of energy. I think that your energy should be equal or a little bit higher than theirs, Mm -hmm. right? You never want to be lower because then they'll beat on you, right? But if you just go just a little step above them, right? But still be in control, it changes everything, you know? And that's what I'm doing in email also. Everybody else is sending marketing emails. They're being indirect. That's why my emails work because I'm straight to the point, right? Right. They're used to reading text messages, man. They don't want to sit here and read a bunch of uh, paragraphs. I write one sentence at a time with a, with double spacing in between each sentence cuz it makes it easier to read on your phone. Sure. So if you're writing more than one sentence on a line, you're screwed in my opinion. Mm. Right? Cuz it's hard to read. Sure. And I'm man I don't I ain't got time to be stretching my iPhone trying to see what you said cuz you used <laughs> HTML. So what I'm saying is I want to put that same posture in the email because that rhythmic one line thing It's hypnotizing, man. It gets them engaged. They reply. I mean, you saw it. I I don't have to explain it to you. You saw it. I can show you multiple campaigns where we're using the same kind of cadence to gain control of the person right from the first line.
0: Do you use that same approach across any niche? Like even if you're in more of a, like that startup software space? We we do it regardless.
2: The principles are agnostic. They're industry agnostic. We know that this works. So we send them. Right. We send it this way until it's proven wrong. We're going to keep doing it that way. With pitch db when we help people to get booked for speaking gigs and on podcasts, I mean, we're sending three lines. Right. We're yeah. not. Oh, I was on this podcast and these people like me. No, man, you're looking for people on your podcast just to know.
0: Absolutely. And last question before we get into pitch db. What's your process for optimization? You just try out different lines.
2: There's some A-B testing. Mm-hmm. What we're looking at, we don't really try to optimize above 50%. So if we are sending out an email and the the open rate is 50%, that's our baseline. We ain't changing it,
3: gotcha. right? We're
2: going to roll with that. So after we send our first 100 emails, everybody starts off with the first 100 emails for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So we reach out to prove ourselves instead of, hey, give me a $2,000 retainer, go and buy these leads and do all of that. Nope. Let me give you a little test drive. Right. So that first hundred emails sets up the benchmark and then we go from there. So if we reach out to someone and, you know, in our first email, we get 43% open rates, but they got nine requests for meetings, we're still selling that, right? But in the next, once we send the next 1900, we're going to optimize that to try to get that over that 50% mark.
0: Gotcha. So 50% open in the beginning. And after that, you're trying to get over that.
2: Exactly. Ideally, if we're over 50% at the beginning, we're not going to touch it because we think that that's great enough to perform for our clientele. And really the first hundred emails isn't really enough time to to check it out. But over 2000 emails, if we got a thousand people to open it, they're not canceling.
0: Since you're the mailman, you're shooting number one for open rate. You're not really looking at reply rate. In addition to that?
2: Well, open rate is important. Open rate is what proves that we did our job. Right. Reply rate is what keeps them paying. Right. Right. So we look at both. We just are not going to be accountable for the reply rate, you know, because that's not our responsibility. Right. right? Because again, we didn't create the product or pick the target market. If I didn't get to pick the customer or the product, why am I responsible for them replying? Right. If you tell me, hey, Ron, I want to send this steak coupon for Roots Chris Steakhouse to this list of vegans because I know their friends eat meat. Okay, I'm going to send it. They're going to open it. And when they don't reply to, to get the steak coupon or whatever, come to your meeting at Roots Chris, you got a misalignment between the product and the customer.
0: Right. Right.
2: That ain't my fault.
0: Right. So you, you're not hanging your hat on reply rates at open rate. So it kind of, of course, if they keep coming back, then they're getting replies.
2: So, right? but here's yeah. the one thing we can always do again, as the mailman, there's a little bit of sales in there, right? Mm-hmm. If I sent out hundred emails and the open rate is 55% and the reply rate on opens is 10%, which is five out of the 55 replied,
3: correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, let's say they got three meetings out of that. Right. Right. In my sales process, I would have already asked them, what's the value of a meeting? Mm -hmm. What is your target customer acquisition cost? And if they say, no, I'm willing to spend up to a hundred bucks to get a meeting. Cool. We're at $33. We're going to keep going. Mm. Right. So a lot of that is established in the sales process so that I can sell back into it. Sure. Right. So they say that they're spending right now, $200 on Facebook to get a meeting. And they're happy with that. Anything under $200, you know, all I got to do is get you one meeting per 200 emails sent out. And I've equaled that. If I get you two, I just cut your customer acquisition cost in half from 200 bucks to 100 bucks.
0: But it's not as sexy as Facebook, Ron. It doesn't matter. What they <laughs> care about is those meetings, you know? I know. I'm just, I'm just messing around. But uh, I love it. I love it. I love how tactical it is, your process, you've got down cold. Um, very interesting to speak with you. I do want to transition over into pitch DB a little bit before we started, you were talking about podcasts are, uh, I know that's with speakers, but you're talking about, uh, pitch is for speakers, but podcasts are the way to generate new business now.
2: Yeah. I mean, podcasts, I that. how much did I pay to be on this podcast?
0: Zero dollars.
2: Nothing. Right. Yeah. How many people listen to your podcast? Probably a couple thousand or so. I don't know. Let's just say it's a couple thousand people download. I get a referral to 2,000 people for free. All I got to do is invest an hour and 2,000 people that trust you now trust me. Yep. That's huge, right? And guess what? They're adding 100,000 new podcasts every month. So there's always people needing new people to interview. New content is oh, yeah. always out there. A new audience is awaiting you. So why not go out and you know get in front of 1,000 people a day? You know, if you do a podcast today for 30 days, you would have spoken in front of the largest audience at the largest stadium in your city. You got the Cardinals playing St. Louis. If I do a podcast a month, it would be equivalent to me standing on the pitcher's mound and talking to a packed house during the playoffs. Sure. Right?
3: Sure. And you know
2: what they're thinking? Well, he must have something to talk about because the Cardinals wouldn't have put him in front of us. Right. Yeah. He must have something to talk about because the podcast host wouldn't have invited him to come on here to talk.
0: Sure. So you get that distribution or you get the leverage and that like transfer of authority.
2: authority. We call it a sheet of authority. Sure. Right. Yeah. In the Bible, they used to say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, right. They would say that about Jesus. If you could just touch Jesus, it would rub off on them. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. by me coming on your podcast, your trust with your audience rubs off on me. Right. Right. Because they're trusting that, that you and I had a hour, I, I don't know, we maybe talked for two hours before this to make sure right. that I was a right fit. Sure. Right. They're trusting that you vetted me to make sure that I actually had the goods before I would come on here just rambling, making up stuff and <laughs> you know, yeah. destroying your credibility. Sure. Right. So that's why it's important, is because if you have the goods. Why not tell people about it?
0: Absolutely. For PitchDB, I like the story. So I kind of want to hear about like, um, I know you were talking before in in that conversation, we talked about how the grandma test that you Mm -hmm. use. Um, grandma email. I'd like to hear about that in terms of, let's say, you know, how that could be leveraged for getting on podcasts, but Mm -hmm. also uh, selfishly, I want to know how you would, if you were me, use podcasts to generate business.
2: OK, perfect. So because I own the database behind five contacts, mm-hmm. one of my friends, she came to me, she says, hey, can you use your stupid database to get me booked for speaking gigs? And I'm like, why you got to be insulting when you're asking me to help you? Right? right. Like, First off, my database ain't stupid. So we decided to put together a list and just send out to event planners that we had scraped out of the database
3: mm-hmm.
2: and she got 10 meetings from it. And she was like, holy crap, can you do this for other people? I'm like, yeah, it's just setting up meetings, but you all aren't going to pay me to send 2,000 of these. I sent 40 emails for you, and we got you 10 conversations. Right? right? You'll probably get booked on three of them because you don't know how to really sell that well. But we got (laughs) you 10 conversations, right? (laughs) Because if you approach them saying, can can I come on your stupid stage, like you approach me about using my database, they're going to tell you to kick rocks, right? Right. But- Basically, we had only reached out to like 45 or 50 people for her and ended up getting 10 meetings out of it. So I didn't see it as a service that I wanted to provide, but we had the software. We could customize this piece of software that I owned to make it Mm self-service. And that's what we ended up doing. So that's the origin story of PitchDB. It's a spinoff, a SaaS spinoff of a services business that I already own, Five Contacts. And you mentioned the grandma email. Well, the grandma email is everything I've been talking about. If you was gonna reach out to your grandma, would you put a fancy header in HTML in the email? No, you wouldn't do any of that. Would you try to explain why you're the better grandson and you're the favorite? You wouldn't do any of that. You would just say, hey grandma, are you cooking this weekend? If so, I wanna come by, let me know, right? Right. Yeah, that sounds Absolutely. like my outreach email. Hey, are you hiring? This is what I do. If you want to have a conversation, reply with a yes or no to this email. Mm-hmm. The grandma email is straight to the point. What would you say to your grandmama? Right. Send that.
0: Right.
3: You'll
2: be surprised how it works. With all of our clients that take my advice, their email outreach for podcasting is, hey, are you looking for interesting guests for your podcast? Mm. That's it. The reason being is they don't know whether... I'm a booking agent for Michelle Obama or if I'm a booking agent for Donald Trump right. or anybody, Sylvester Stallone, they have no clue who I'm representing. You know, the question is, are they looking for interesting guests? Not guests, but interesting guests. Right. Right. Who's going to say, no, I-, I want uninteresting guests. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Nobody. Right? right. 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 So at that point I will get engagement to either, hey, here's the link to our site to apply. Or yeah, tell me who you had in mind. Now I have permission to pitch. But right. if we send a vomit email, hi, my name's Ron Story, I've been seeing on this podcast, this podcast, these people love me. Those that bios. The equivalent. Yeah, like that whole crap, right? Yeah. That's equivalent to walking up to a woman at a bar or going up to a man at a bar, whatever your preference is, and then telling them about your past five girlfriends. They don't right. care. Go over and say, hey, how you doing today? You don't go over and say, hey, let me tell you, my name is Ron. Here are the last five girls I've dated. This is why they liked me. Here's why you're going to like me too. And this yeah. is what we should name our kids. Should be like, dude, you're being a creep. What yeah. are you doing? Why yeah. are you even, why are you talking to me like that? But that's what we do when we send cold emails to podcasters and event planners. They send that crap talking about their ex-girlfriends. Nobody want to hear that.
0: Yeah. I've been on this, this, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I think that's because just they're, like a seeking approval. Sure.
2: Right? Why are yeah. you trying to seek my approval when I didn't ask for it? Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like, imagine if we just met as boys. I saw you out. I'm like, yo, man, what's up, man? Look, I'm Ron. I got pitch DB. I got five. Contacts. <laughs> I drive this car. You know, you would be like, dude, why are you even telling me this?
0: That stuff clogs up my Facebook feed. I'm sure you get a lot of that, too. Oh
2: no, I, I, my, all of my stuff is blocked. You can't send me anything on uh, like, I mean, are you the, about the Facebook messenger. Or are you talking, no, about I'm the, talking
0: about the ads? Like oh, oh, yeah, well, yeah. you see, see it a lot on YouTube too. Lamborghini. I, my exactly. life is great. Your life sucks. If you want my life, give me two grand.
2: Yeah. Which is goofy. Yeah. It's the FOMO. And mm-hmm. it is a, you know, those people are using, it's effective because they're using the dopamine rush of seeing the fancy car of seeing the private jet. You know, I live in Medellin, Colombia, and I mean, it's a beautiful place, but I, I'm not really into, like, pooping on people because they don't live my lifestyle. Sure. right? You know, hey, man, it's my private life. I don't have to show it off to the world. Is it effective for people to do that? Yeah, because it gets the engagement. Yeah. But are they getting the customers that they want? Probably not.
0: You're getting the most, like, desperate customers or what have you, I think.
2: Exactly. I mean, again, people can do it however they want. I give them a high five. It's hard to argue with the results if they're getting them, but you know, everybody has to make their own ethical decision. Sure. Sure.
0: Your take on my podcast, turning that into a client, a client getting machine. How does that right? operate? Does that so
2: if I was a podcaster and I wanted to get more clients, I would do a couple of things. One, I would create a podcast that helped your ideal client, get the results that they want. And all I would do is I would make a podcast for myself where I was just doing case studies. So instead of doing what you're doing now, where you're saying, Hey, Ron, come and tell me about the things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I would bring a business on and break down their business and tell them what I would do for them in front of everybody.
0: Mm, okay. I see what you're saying.
2: Right. It would basically be a recorded sales meeting. And if they're like, holy crap, I never thought about that, in which nine out of 10 of them will be, you say, look, I'm going to fix this in your business. You want to come on my podcast? I'm looking for some people to kind of test out my things. And at the end, I'm going to make you an offer. That's what I would do. And people would tune into that all the time. Nathan Lack could prove this with that dealer bust thing that he's been doing, where he's been interviewing startups and getting them to try to sell it live, online to three people or whatever. But then he brings in these two advisors that tear the business down and rebuild it and give them a marketing tip or something. I watched just for that part. Right. So I think in doing that, that's how you can find customers. You know, you can get 30 strong prospects every month by doing a daily podcast, just doing that. Mm. So that will give you 30 really strong prospects because you would have built the trust and authority in that interview. Sure. Right. Now, if I didn't want to interview people and I wanted to go on other people's podcasts, I would reach out, to the podcast that I want to be on and ask that podcaster to be a guest on my show. Right. Gotcha. Because if they're doing something that's analytical, if they run an agency or something like that, bring them on. And then they'll probably give you a reciprocal interview on their show. As long as you're not competing. The one thing that I can see in what you're doing now is that if you start offering cold outreach services yourself, then the people that you're bringing on, they may be eating from your audience. Sure, yeah. Because there's some people that's going to hit me up on five contacts, but that's somebody that's not going to work with you. Right. So I think that there's kind of a conflict in interviewing experts that are in the same field if you're going to be actually providing a service that's very similar.
3: True. Because they
2: probably wouldn't want you on their show. Right. But if you want to get on shows that could use like cold outreach or the data that you've learned, go to the non-traditional business shows because they have no clue about this stuff. They are lost, right? Traditional traditional businesses? The traditional businesses. That's what I meant to say. Go on the businesses that are not uh, growth hacking aware. Gotcha. Right. Real estate agents, insurance agents, these folks that are just face-to-face salespeople, marketing agencies that do like design and- Creative. Yeah, that type of stuff, right? It works better there too. Outreach
0: works better with those traditional- Businesses. yeah exactly yeah
2: exactly so because you're asking for an actual meeting for them mm-hmm. right so i would create a podcast like that or i would go on to their podcast talking about what you talk about because you're not offering a competing service
3: right it's like the complimentary more money they make
2: from their sales meetings is more money they can spend with both you and that podcaster's business
0: sure sure that's a good point it's like once you're in a space, like uh, you start consuming media in that space, you don't really look outside of it, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah.
2: You know, so good. I mean, you want to take the one to many approach. You know, whoever's listening to this podcast, this podcast will be on forever, right? Someone can listen to this in 2025. Yeah. And it'll, the data will still be just as relevant, right? So sure. this is, you know, it's being on a podcast allows you to say it one time and potentially reach millions of people into infinity right. going forward. If what you're saying and your business survives long enough for them to actually click through the show notes to find what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. People still listen to my early episodes from 2019, you know, yeah. this, every day. Here's the
2: crazy thing. Now, if, if your business has ever been on a podcast, when you type that business name into Google, just put podcast after it, right. And see what Google does. Google puts the podcast you've been on, at the top of the rankings above sure. everything else. Sure. Right? So eventually that's going to come up even more. Um, if you don't have really good SEO, when they just type your name in, they're going to search through podcast also without the, even if you don't put the podcast at the end and mm-hmm. the podcast that you've been on are going to show up first. So why the hell do I need to buy ads if I can just go on podcast? Right. And Google's going to rank me right at the top, right under the ads, right? Absolutely. It shows social proof. It shows people that other people trust you. If you don't believe me, type in Ron Story Jr. Podcast into Google, and you'll see all the podcasts to come right up. Google will index them. You can listen to the stuff I've been talking about. I've been talking about this stuff for years.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Everyone who's listening, pitchdb.com. That's pitch, D as in David, B as in boy.com. Ron, pleasure to have you on. I loved the wisdom and you dropped the knowledge. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. When you go to pitchdb.com, if you sign up for early access in the referral code, what do you want the uh, referral code to be? You uh, to put Morgan?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just put Morgan. That's fine. Yeah. Just put,
2: put Morgan in as the referral code and I'll give you some free pitches, right? So you'll get to use the system for free to get onto podcast. How awesome. cool is that?
0: Awesome. I'm going to drop that in the notes too of the show.
2: Yep. Just put in Morgan. Even if you spell it wrong, I'll know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Ron, I appreciate it.
2: Oh yeah, man. Anything else on. before we go? Cool. Well, Hey We're man, good. you know, follow me at Ron story jr on all platforms, Instagram, everything is just R O N S T O R Y J R. I'll love to answer any of your questions about cold outreach.
0: Awesome, man. I appreciate it. You take it all easy. Right. Thanks. The biggest takeaway I took from that interview was that doing something is better than doing nothing look if you enjoyed this episode make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend thanks for listening